Hello, welcome to Black British Girl Talks Crime, Finance, etc. A podcast about crime, finance and other things. Each week I will bring you a true crime story or financial advice or just about life as a black girl in British society. Follow along for true crime stories, tips on budgeting or home ownership and general insight into current events and black British life. Hi everyone, so today this is about Brian Sidney Patter who was 22 years old. His mother, Nellie, emigrated from Haiti and she largely raised her nine children on her own. Brian was her youngest child and he was a University of Miami football player in November 2006. He had a love of cars and a side business with his brother, Fednor, buying old vehicles and customising them for profit. He was six foot four, 280 pounds and he was defensive tackle and he'd grown up in poverty. His mother worked two jobs and moved her children at least 10 times around Miami, each time to a more safer place. The family used food stamps to buy spaghetti and other food that was cheap, but would keep them full and feed all of her children. At the time, Brian was a few months away from being selected in the NFL draft. He drove a black Infiniti QX56 sport utility vehicle with custom spinners. He lived in an apartment with his girlfriend, Jada Luella Brody, who she met. Um, through his teammate Dave Howell and they moved together in May 2006 and they moved in together seven months after they started dating and they had a Yorkshire Terrier. Their relationship was tumultuous and sometimes violent. Arguments were fueled by jealousy. So for example Jada's father Jerry Gaines told police that in February or March 2006 he'd heard that they broke up and that Brian was trash talking her. So Jerry got Brian's number from his daughter and told him to stop it and a week later he heard from his ex-wife that Jada and Brian were making wedding plans. So very up and down relationship. Previously Jada dated one of his Miami teammates Rashawn Jones and he juggled football practice with clubbing and a side hobby of restoring and selling those cars. He kept a loaded handgun in his bedside table and a shotgun and AK-47 loaded with live rounds in his closet. And he had taped a sheet of paper over his personalised licence plate. So it seems at this time he suspected someone might be stalking him or that he may be a target or victim of violence. On November 6th, the couple went to celebrate their anniversary at a Benihana sushi and steakhouse, but it was closed. So instead they spent the evening at Lucky Strike Lanes. And a friend who bumped into them said that it was the happiest he'd seen him in a long time. But Brian seemed distracted for part of the night. He sent numerous texts to his brother Edwin and Edwin thought it was strange that Brian was texting about his football and dog and he eventually stepped outside to talk to his brother on the phone and he said you know something was bothering Brian and they had actually what was to be their last conversation. So the next day on November 7th Brian had an early morning meeting and workout and he and teammate Eric Monka registered for spring semester classes and got lunch and Jada joined them for lunch as well and just before Brian left Chris Zellner overheard him engage in a heated phone call. His roommate Hendrix was headed home too but along the way Hendrix stopped for petrol and it was dark so Brian drove the four miles home. On the ride home, Brian talked to his brother Fednor, seemed in a good mood, and the phone call suddenly ended, which obviously Fednor thought was very odd. And inside apartment 220, Jada was cleaning out a dog kennel, and she told an officer later that she thought she heard an argument downstairs, so she left the apartment and walked to the parking lot where she discovered her boyfriend, Brian, unresponsive. Brian was on his back and bleeding on the walkway near his car. He had been shot in the head. Jada ran back up to her appointment apartment to call 911, screaming to a dispatcher for help. And now, at this time, Hendrix drove up in his Dodge pickup and he saw Brian on the ground and he thought it was a prank, so he was saying, you know, get up. But then Brian, 
but then Hendrix noticed a puddle of blood behind Brian's head and he grabbed the phone from Jada who returned and was hysterical and the call dropped so Hendrix called the police back and a man working on his car nearby heard the commotion and ran to help perform chest compressions as Brian was very unresponsive to this and minutes after Jada, Jada called 911 rescue personnel arrived and took over but Brian was pronounced dead at 7.07 p.m. So police called Brian's father, Junior, who arrived sometime after 8 p.m. And an officer told him that his son was dead and stand by to answer questions. Detectives estimate about two minutes passed between when Brian arrived and when he was shot. His car keys and phone were found on the ground and a black wallet containing $900 bills were left in his front pocket. Police theorised that the shooter had been waiting for Brian, perhaps in the bushes or behind the dumpster. Police have never found anyone who saw the shooting. There was no security cameras in the area who captured it. Some people interviewed at the apartment complex reported hearing loud voices, while others heard gunshots. And detectives from the Miami-Dade Police Department chased more than a dozen leads in the early days of their investigation. That day, the University of Miami called an emergency mandatory meeting for all players, coaches and staff members, which Rashawn Jones didn't attend. Even Hendricks attended, coming in late days and with his shirt covered in Brian's blood. Rashawn Jones was a six foot one, 195 pound defensive back from Lake City, Florida. He'd been suspended that day after testing positive for marijuana, his third failed drug test, but he was still expected to come to the meeting. Later on, Rashawn told police that he was home alone the night Brian was murdered and that when he heard of his death, he headed to the Heck Center for the meeting. But other witnesses told police that he wasn't there and more than a dozen ex-players told ESPN later when they created a story about this that he wasn't there either. After the meeting, Rashawn called a fellow student who was at the meeting asking him to borrow money to go out of town. Rashawn was interviewed twice but told investigators he was at home the night of Brian's death and he never left. But investigators discovered from his cell phone records that the phone utilising cellular towers located near the crime scene around the time of the murder. Additionally, an eyewitness who was in the area at the time of the shooting later identified Rashawn in a photo lineup. Rashawn had been dating Miami student Sherry Abramson that semester in what Sherry described as an on-off relationship. She was working at Pottery Barn on that date and she left work and when she was, Willie Cooper called her to tell the news that Brian had been killed and asked her where Rashawn was and Sherry began to panic because she didn't know where, she was, where he was. She called Rashawn repeatedly after that, she couldn't reach him, and she was worried that Rashawn might be hurt as well. So it turns out that Rashawn dated Jada first, and witnesses said he reminded Brian of it constantly, and there was friction between them. There was an incident in summer 2006 when he and Brian got into an argument, and two other teammates, including Brian, were in a nearby room. Police ran background checks on Jada and several of her relatives, and investigators looked into her father, who was released from prison in August 2006, but re-arrested on November 13th because of parole violation. They checked out an uncle as well, who'd been released from prison that summer, but most of the investigation into her family centred on Jada's 19-year-old twin brother, Jerome, who had a lengthy criminal record, including in incidents involving guns and violence. And in October 2006, he had been released on bail after a drug-related arrest earlier that summer, in Boston where they're originally from. On the evening of December 7, 2006, a police officer in Boston saw Brian's story in the news and called down to Miami, making the connection between him and Jada, who um, his brother, her brother had been arrested three days earlier on charges of illegal firearms possession. Two handguns found in the rental car he was driving were connected to a homicide from a week earlier, although he nor anyone else was charged in that killing. 
and those weapons also did not match the gun believed to be used in Pat Bryan's killing. A reporter reached Jada that month and asked her about the rumours surrounding her twin and she said that's ridiculous um, to the Boston Globe. Jerome had nothing to do with it, he hadn't visited Miami since May and unfortunately for him, when he was interviewed, he was silent as he was in a bad mood and he was interviewed in mid-December 2006. In the interview more recently, police were able to confirm that Jerome was not in Miami at the time of Brian's death and didn't say how that was known, but that's what they concluded. Boston police records do not show that he was in custody at the time of Brian's killing, but when reached by phone in July 2020, Jerome didn't answer any questions, just said, how did you get this number? So <clears throat> potential suspects for Brian's in terms of who killed him, there were numerous. There was a club rule in mid 2006 with gang members that ended with a man promising we are going to get you. There was a separate dispute over possibly stolen rims. There was obviously his turbulent relationship with Jada. There was obviously Rashawn who dated Jada before. And there was Jada's twin brother with a history of violence and another ex-girlfriend who kept showing up at Brian's apartment once wielding a knife. So according to interviews and police records, he got into a lot of fights with teammates in locker rooms and strangers in nightclubs. There were possible confessors, one from a jailhouse, another who supposedly died in the rubble of the 2010 Haiti earthquake. Police even flew cross country to interview a 60 year old gamer with the screen name Moonwings because Brian had sold her a vehicle that didn't work weeks before his death and the buyer complained that transmission was bad, threatened to file a report of eBay. The police interviewed more than 100 people but even after 10 years had passed, police had not identified a suspect nor arrested anyone for his death. Police held a news conference in, to reignite interest in the case in spring 2017 and they invited Brian's family to make a public plea at police headquarters but this didn't lead to a suspect and detectives repeatedly told ESPN they believed someone who had been at the university, possibly someone with ties to Miami football at the time, had key information. Experts at the Cold Case Foundation, a network of law enforcement specialists who work with families and police to crack long unsolved cases, reviewed materials gathered by ESPN and determined that Brian's killing was not the random act of a stranger. So we fast forwarded a decade. Rashawn is 35, he's a father, and less than two weeks after his wedding in 2018, Rashawn was incarcerated in the Columbia County, Florida jail for three months on a probation violation. His football dreams ended years ago. He came back from suspension for the 2006 home finale against Broston College, three weeks after Brian's death. And by 2007, he was gone. He was out of football for three years. He arrived back at Winston-Salem State in the spring of 2010. He recorded two interceptions that season, but he was not picked in the NFL draft. And yeah, so police interviewed his former high school classmates, friends, and former girlfriend. And after Brian's death, Jada pushed forward. She has posted pictures of Brian on social media, but she transferred to Clemson in 2007, graduated in May 2010 with a degree in philosophy. She didn't become an obstetrician, but she went back to South Florida. Jada obtained a Florida real estate license in October 2014, and her last update, however, is from 2018. She has over 100,000 followers on Instagram. She promotes a line of swimwear that she and her sister sell in West Palm Beach. She has a six-year-old daughter. And a few years ago, she pleaded guilty to felony theft charges for stealing more than $1,000 in nail polish from Walgreens. Um, she was awaiting trial in a felony marijuana case as well. I'm not sure what happened to that. ESPN re reached out to JD for more than two years by phone, text message, social media, and through friends and relatives, and she has never agreed to an interview. In two brief conversations with ESPN in 2019, Rashawn denied killing Brian. However, fast forward to this year, on August 20th, 2021, 
Rashawn Trevon Jones, 35, was arrested first for first-degree murder in the death of defensive lineman Brian Patter. He was arrested in Marion County and was extradited to Miami-Dade County for prosecution. So, obviously, police learned about the issues that they both had, and about two months prior to the, his death, Brian told his brother that Rashawn had allegedly threatened to shoot him in the head. Brian didn't report this to the team's head coach, despite his brother encouraging him to do so. And investigators also found that Rashawn had made threats to other individuals, often using a small caliber firearm. So in one case, Rashawn used a gun to threaten a student named David Howell in a dorm room after David kicked him out for acting inappropriately with a visiting woman. In another, a teammate named Kareem Brown told detectives that Rashawn told him he always carries his 38 caliber firearm. In the course of the investigation, police learned about the physical altercation and apparently Brian had previously beaten Rashawn during that altercation and about so Brian would have turned 37 on August 12th this year and August 24th local 10 reported that Rashawn's wife said even though two football players had a history it was resolved before Brian's death I would like to thank an excellent article that I read on ESPN that I used for this and also Wikipedia as well I will keep you updated about this case too Get your fix every week by subscribing to Black British Girl Talks wherever you get your podcasts. Any pictures or further information concerning each episode will be on Instagram. Follow me on Instagram at Black British Girl Talks. And as always, if you have any questions, DM on Instagram. Until next time, goodbye.